just a, what, a few, few weeks ago. But I thought, you know, I'm carrying a little tradition to take a start uh, with uh, coming down on the floor with you guys. I kind of like that. I feel a little frightened up there sometimes and then separate from you guys. And uh, I thought I'd try it out. So there you go. Uh, but hey, man, we do have Kenny 2.0 here. Kenny, this looks exciting. Uh, Kenny, this That's a bad joke. He's not Kenny 2.0. But, uh, but we are very excited to have him here. Uh, serving the church for the next year. And uh, what a blessing it is to uh, be a part of the Worldwide Fellowship and to have people come in from all over the world. Uh, and that people want to be here, part of our church, and really uh, be a part of what we're doing. That's very exciting. So thank you for your community, Nicholas, and great to have parents, uh, Tim and Hooker, uh, with us as well. Uh, thanks so much, Jackie, for sharing your testimony. Uh, that was awesome. Uh, you know, we, we have to say goodbye for now. She's going off to get married. Let's come back to visit a little bit afterwards. So we'll see her at, as, uh, as a bride, which will be great. Um, I think a few of us are going to wedding, from what I heard. Uh, it's a little, little bit far from here, though, so I don't think we can all make it. But we'll be with you in prayer. And so, so excited for your next chapter of your life, Jack. And again, thanks for sharing. Uh, it is hard to say goodbye. Uh, you know, we, uh, we, we, we are saying goodbye to a few, a few students. Uh, uh, Dan and Jeff's back. He's, there he is right there.
to the church, uh, for the church to uh, consider that idea and pray about it. Uh, if we hire this couple, that will be the teens and the student ministry full time. We'll be fully focused on that. Uh, that will free up my wife and I to really serve in marriage and the singles more uh, in the church, which we really want to do more of that. Uh, and also free some of our young leaders who are very busy working full time jobs, also trying to help lead those ministries. And so it's an idea right now, nothing is final, but uh, things are moving forward uh, you know, behind the scenes. So we want to put it out to the church to voice concern privately to myself or Scott or Roger. If you have concerns about what we're trying to do, uh, questions, please, please speak up. Please let us know. Uh, if you have those concerns, uh, we don't take this decision lightly. It is just a one-year contract. If it comes from Australia, it does come. Uh, just an opportunity for them to, to, to step out of faith. They're, they're full of faith right now in the idea of being willing to do it. They're in professional jobs uh, as we speak. Uh, they're going to be university for several years. Uh, so anyway, keep that in prayer, and uh, please please give us feedback, and I know we'll talk more uh, about Friday's blog, the ACM on the 6th of September. Into the Bible we go. Uh, last week, I heard uh, Brian Chris did a great job uh, talking about where our faith is. He asked us that question, right? We're going to pick it back up where they left off in Luke chapter 8, verse 26. The title of this afternoon is Confronting Evil. Confronting Evil. Luke 8, verse 26. So Jesus and his disciples, uh, they get in the boat and Jesus challenges their faith because they, they have this squall right on the way. It's this terrible storm. And in verse 26 it says, they sail to the region of Gerasenes, which is, if you're looking at the Sea of Galilee on the map, it's, it's kind of in the southeast corner uh, of the Sea of Galilee, that part of the land. Um, and it says they, they arrived there, and when Jesus stepped ashore, he was met by a demon-possessed man from the town. For a long time, it says this man had not worn clothes or lived in the house, but he had lived in the tombs. Verse 28, when he saw Jesus, he cried out and fell on his feet, shouting at the top of his voice, What do you want from me, Jesus, son of the most high God? I beg you, don't torture me. For Jesus had commanded the evil spirit to come out of the man. Many times he had seized him, and though he was chained hand and foot and kept underground, he had broken his chains and had been driven by the demon into solitary places. Verse 30, Jesus asked him, What is your name? Legion. He replied, because many demons had gone into him. And they begged Jesus repeatedly not to order them to go into the abyss. Verse 32, a large herd of pigs was feeding there on the hillside. The demons begged Jesus to let them go into the pigs, and he gave them permission. When the demons came out of the land, they went into the pigs, and the herd rushed down the steep bank into the lake and was drowned. When those taking the pigs saw what happened, they ran off and reported this in the town and countryside, and the people went out to see what had happened. When they came to Jesus, they found a man from whom the demons had gone out, sitting at Jesus' feet, dressed and in his right mind. And they were afraid. Those who had seen it told the people how the demon-possessed man had been cured. Then all the people of the region of the Gerasenes asked Jesus to leave them, because they were overcome with fear. So he got into the boat and left. First they made the man from whom the demons had gone out begged to go with him. But Jesus sent him away, saying, Return home and tell how much God has done for you. So the man went away and told all over town how much Jesus had done for him. This uh, brings us to an interesting and somewhat controversial topic in the New Testament, which is that idea of demon possession. Jesus crossed the Sea of Galilee uh, with his disciples uh, to that southeast corner of the land there, and he arrives in the region of his garrisons, and he's confirmed, it says, by a demon-possessed man. Uh, there are many different views on, uh, on the Bible's approach on this. Uh, some say, oh, well, Jesus was just running with the superstition of the time. He didn't believe in, in these superstitions, but the people did, so he would go along with them. Uh, some people will say, oh, this is just mental health. You know, we just didn't have the medical insight. 
uh, back then. Um, or the other view is that this is true. People can be possessed by demons. Um, you know, there's, there's extreme views out there. Like I said, I'm going the wrong way, sorry, not the song. Uh, you know, there's the, there's the, the pop culture version, you know, the Exorcist, very popular movie that's very disturbing if you watch it. You know, Satan's kind of funny, you know, pitchfork and horns. Oh, dress your kid, your kid in the bottle, you know, it's, there, there's, there's extreme views around this idea of evil and Satan himself, and even this idea of demons uh, being able to possess people. Um, C.S. Lewis wrote a very interesting uh, satirical, fictitious novel called um, uh, The Screw Letters. Uh, uh, I'm sorry, Screw Tape Letters. And um, The Screw Tape Letters. And, and it's, it's a story about Uncle Screw Tape, who's a chief demon. Training uh, work with his, his young his young nephew who's a, a demon in training, and it's and it's all these letters uh, from, from the chief demon to the, the trainee demon, and teaching them how to how to tempt people and how to get them to, to fall into sin and forsake God. So 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 C.S. Lewis thought a lot about this this spiritual war going on that we can't see uh, that the New Testament is referring to. And he said this: He said there are two equal and opposite errors into which our race can fall about the devils, which is referred to as demons. One is to disbelieve in their existence. The other is to believe and to feel an excessive and unhealthy interest in them. They themselves are equally pleased by both heirs and hail a materialist or a magician of the same life. And that's kind of pop cultural extremes there, right? Lewis says, avoid both of those extremes. To, to belittle it and act like it's not there, or to get fascinated with uh, the very idea. But if you go through your Bible, the Bible's very clear that. that that the devil or Satan or Lucifer is, is a chief fallen angel uh, who rebelled in heaven and was cast out, and his cohorts or other demons who were cast with him. And so they're fallen angels. And so the Bible says this is a real thing in the spiritual realms, and that demons uh, and Satan do exist. And of course, a lot of the scriptures uh, refer to it. Revelation 12 gives us a great picture uh, of this war. It says the war broke out in heaven, and Michael and the angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought back in front of Satan. But he was not strong enough, and they lost their place in heaven. The great dragon was hurled down, an ancient servant called the devil, or Satan, who leads the whole world astray. He was hurled to the earth, and his angels with him. And Isaiah 14 and Ezekiel 28 uh, can give you some prophetic pictures of that actual uh, predicament, uh, with the angels being cast from heaven uh, down to the earth. Um, the New Testament and the Old Testament again refer to these ideas. Uh, you go to the Old Testament, uh, there at the top, 1 Samuel 16, verse 14. Uh, after Saul, the first king of Israel, has some struggles, it says the spirit of the Lord departs from him, and an evil spirit of the Lord tormented him. Um, and this, we think, is referring to, you know, fallen angels, you know, ultimately who, who, who are creations of God, who then disobeyed God, and then fallen from heaven, and they went on to torment mankind. And of course, one of those would be Saul the king here, in 1 Samuel 16, 14. Um, again, Judas is referred to in a similar way in John 13, verse 2 and verse 27. Uh, Judas, we know, was, was going to betray Jesus, and it said that Satan prompted him, you know, tempted him, if you will, to do that. In John 13, verse 2, and in verse 27, it says, as soon as Judas, Judas took the bread, they were having, you know, that Passover meal together, it says, Satan entered into him. So Jesus told him, what you're about to do, do quickly. So those are some terrifying passages and ideas that, that men or women can be so... So given the evil, that, that evil someone takes them over. Uh, and Saul and, and Judas are two biblical examples um, of just that. The good news is, uh, this is something we invite in if we, if, if we do the evil, so we can, we can keep it away by not you know, compromising it in our lives. But 
but nonetheless, it is possible. Um, and this man, of course, is the epitome of this that we just read about uh, in chapter 8. Um, Job uh, is encouraging in chapters 1 through 2 in that we know that Satan's power is limited according to those chapters, although he can do a lot of damage. Uh, and in Revelation 12, verse 12 also says that his time is limited. So there are limitations on the influence of evil uh, in as far as God has, has, has set uh, those limits in place. Uh, and so it, it's an interesting uh, idea, it's an interesting challenge um, you know, for us to really consider. Uh, but what's interesting is, is Jesus, you know, he intends to confront this man, he intends to confront this evil. Back in verse 22, which you guys remember last Sunday, it says, Jesus told his disciples, let us go over to the other side of the lake. Jesus wanted to confront uh, the demons. He wanted to confront the evil. Um, and it's no coincidence that, you know, a great squall came down the lake. There's a spiritual war going on. Jesus is, he's coming to confront Satan and his dominions. And, and so the, the, the storm, the storm arises, I think, as a result of, of, of Satan reacting to uh, this influence of God incarnate himself, Jesus. Um, and, and so, so the, all this is going on, and a lot of times uh, today, we just, we like to act like it just isn't, or, or we can get very fascinated by it. But the question is, what should we do with this information today as Christians? If you're not a Christian, it's a great question. What should you do uh, with this type uh, of information? But there, there's a real spiritual battle going on, and there's no denying it. Uh, you know, this is kind of a picture of here, one of the, one of the, the, the epic battles between Jesus and Satan here uh, that happens here in Luke uh, chapter 8. Of course, Jesus ultimately uh, will win this battle. He'll win this marvelous and match, you know, uh, in the scriptures speaking, of course. Uh, of course, the epitome of that was the cross. In Colossians 2, verses 13 through 15, it says we were dead in our sins. And, how, and it says how God made us alive with Christ when he forgave us all our sins, having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us. He has taken it away and nailed it to the cross. And having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. And so, so we, don't need to, we don't need to be afraid of evil, because Jesus has dealt with it for us. Uh, and, and it's kind of like that James Bond you know, scene where, where you know, the, the bad guys kind of blow up the whole world, and Bond you know, gets, gets a hopeless gun and turns his gun on him and saves the Lord in an instance. You know, that's, that's what Jesus did on the cross when it comes to evil. You know, he, he took it. He took it out. out. He, he destroyed it. He, he, he's displaced it. Uh, and then we can choose to live in that safety and comfort as Christians. Now we don't have to fear evil. Uh, but there is a spiritual war going on. Ephesians two says that we're, we're dead in sins. We're, we're an object of God's wrath. But again, Christ makes us alive in Him, so we're no longer we're no longer subject uh, to that evil. And then, and then Ephesians chapter six. If you just turn there real quick. Includes this as a spiritual battle that we're all in, and it gives us great hope as we think about uh, temptation and sin. We'll talk about that later on a little bit more. In Ephesians chapter 6, it concludes uh, talking about the spiritual battle that we're all in, and it gives us great hope out there in light of this, uh, this passage that we're going to jump right into here in the beginning. He says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, verse 13, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you've done everything, to stand. 
And so we, we can stand our ground. We can win uh, against evil. We can, we can win against sin, but we've got to put on the full armor of God. Uh, and Luke 8, I think, gives us some great insights. Uh, you know, it gives us some great warnings, some great insights. How do we really, uh, you know, bring in the victory that Jesus died for on the cross when it comes you know, to our battle uh, against evil? Um, you know, as a church, you know, our, our message, it, you know, it really needs to be this. Jesus loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. And that should be what we believe, or hardly that should be what we're sharing with our, our friends, our coworkers, our neighbors. And that's why we come together today, amen? That's what it's all about, right? Uh, but the reality is, and you look at Luke 8, you look at the passages we just read, the reality is there's also nothing we need to be keenly aware of. And that's that the devil hates you, and has a terrible plan for your life. Those two things biblically are equally true. They're not equally powerful to save, and that's the good news here, that Jesus is far more powerful than, than, than the work of Satan. But we, we must, we must be soberly aware of this uh, so that we can win against sin. And so just two big ideas here, this idea of spiritual warfare, Jesus confronts evil here, uh, back to Luke chapter 8. Uh, the first big idea here is that sin will take you further than you want to go and cost you more than you want to pay. Sin will take you further than you want to go and cost you more than you want to pay. I want to define biblically here uh, what sin is. It, it literally comes from a Greek term which means to miss the mark. And it's often used in hardship. So in other words, God made us and he had, he had intent and he had purpose in mind when he made us. And so when we don't hit that mark when we're not being the men who we ought to be, that biblically is defined as sin. And it could be something you do that you shouldn't be doing, or it could be something you're not doing that you should be doing, right? Uh, and, and I do need to clarify this if you're, if you're not a Christian. Sin, sin is not all the great things God doesn't want you to do. There's often that great misnomer out there in the lie uh, that somehow God's holding out of us, and that's what that's what it tells us not to sin. No, it's quite the opposite. Sin is, is what destroys lives. Sin is what damages lives. Uh, and, and look at the life of an act, and it's not that hard to see. Uh, that, that idea. And so you get back to the passage here, and you this man's life, this demon possessed man who, who calls himself Legion, in verse 30, his life has been ravaged. It's been ravaged by, by demons, uh, by, by, by evil, by what today we might just call living in sin. You know, this man here, it says that in verses 27 and 29, he had been in the state, it says, for a long time in Luke chapter 8. It says the man was so, he saw his mind anywhere close. He's naked. He's homeless. And as a matter of fact, he does live somewhere. He lives among the tombs. So his home is a tomb. So I guess he's not completely homeless, but that's not much of a home. Uh, and, 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 and he's stubborn. You know, people have tried to help him and try to chain him, but he breaks the chains. You know, he's powerful. He, he's, he's, he's uncontrolled. And Jesus asked him what his name is, which is a question maybe as much about identity as a human as it is about uh, these demons. And the man says, um, his name is Legion, because many demons of Luke's had gone into him. Uh, is that name Legion, is it symbolic? Uh, a legion of soldiers with 6,000 soldiers? Is it just symbolic of, of, of the many demons that are haunting you know, this man's life? Or, or was it reminiscent? Perhaps he was abused as a child by, by, by Roman soldiers, and so Legion is kind of symbolic of all the abuse that he went through. You know, we don't really know, but it's a, a picture, certainly, of the same Legion of the destruction sin brings in our lives. And so we see here, you know, sin makes us, at the end of the day, our own worst enemy. Sin is inevitably self-destructive. 
And sin is not just destructive to us, it's destructive to others. This man was feared. It says in Matthew's account, he was feared by the fact that they, they, they avoided him. It was, that, it was that scary. And so we need to celebrate and embrace God's beauty and grace and love always as a church, but we got to remember, you know, God's grace is not fully embraced until evil is first confronted. You can't fully embrace God. You can't fully embrace God's grace. You can't fully embrace His love until evil is confronted. And so Jesus, He confronts the evil first in this man's life. And then that man is able then to really embrace His grace as the story unfolds. And grace actually allows us not to be fooled and minimize and water out sin and its destruction. Again, Jesus goes out of His way here. Uh, and it's a great picture of God's grace. He goes out of His way to save this man. What a gracious act that was. In the midst of all that he was doing. So today, if you're living in sin, if you, if you know you're doing things that God does not want you to do, then you are living in sin. If you're doing that over and over and over, that's just part of your life. You're, biblically, you're living in sin. And I think this is a confirming passage there. A sobering passage. Whoa, maybe I should think about this a little bit. Maybe I'm opening myself up to things I don't want to open myself up to in the long run. Maybe there's going to be some serious destruction in my life that I don't deal with this sin. You know, Jesus, he's confronting. He's confronting. When you open up the Gospels, it's confronting. He's asking us, I think, through this passage, where are you going if you're living in sin? And if we're tempted by sin, which we all are at least, at the very least tempted by sin on a regular basis, you are around here, Jesus has a better way. Jesus has a better way. So go back and follow him again. Don't, don't give into that temptation. And that's really the power Satan really is the happiness. It's just the power of temptation. We can choose a better way. Sin will take you further than you want to go. Sin will cost you more than you want to pay. And praise God that the you know, Legion Sad State turns into a critical, incredible story of transformation, right? It turns into an incredible story of transformation. And you go on here and he says his name. Uh, and Jesus uh, and, and the demons interact about this idea going into the pigs, and we'll talk about that a little bit later. Um, and the demons then leave the man going to the pigs and then drown the pigs. The people who attended the pigs in verse 34 were also report this to the town and countryside. And it says the people went out to see in verse 35 what happened. And when they came to Jesus, they found a man to whom the demons had gone out, sitting at Jesus' feet, dressed in his right mind, and they were afraid. And they asked Jesus to leave the region. Jesus leaves the region. The man asked him to go in, and Jesus says, No, 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 I've got another plan for you. He's going to sign it, right? Which we'll talk about here uh, at the end as well. Which leads to my other point uh, this afternoon. The gospel is good news or bad news to us all, depending upon how you see it. The gospel is good news or bad news to us all, depending on how you see it. You know, at this point, the gospel is in the flesh. It's Jesus. He, he, as, as he was there on the earth, he was, he was the good news in the flesh, right? Today, it's, 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 it's in his words, right? It's in the account of him. At this point, the gospel is in the flesh, and he's, he saves and heals this man who seemed beyond hope. And if you, if you are in a state today, and I hope you're not, of hopelessness. If you're in a state today that's dark and dreary, and there's just dread in life, there's great hope for you in Jesus. This, this account reminds us of that. No one's going to hope when they encounter Jesus. But this may be seen beyond hope, but Jesus, of course, uh, turns this whole situation around. Uh, and it's, it's, it's sad. You would think the people would have just been rejoicing. You would have thought the people just would have been like, find his mother, find, find his father. He, he's, he's been healed. This is a miracle. You know, praise God. Let's have a, a service in the synagogue tonight. But they, they respond. 
sent Jesus away. And so we see here, you, you, you can see the same thing. Two people can see the same thing and see it totally different. And, and, and I believe that the Gerasenes are, are they're not seeing the gospel clearly at all at this point. They represent people who, who see the good news of Jesus and turn it into bad news. Uh, you know, for example, you know, you know, optical illusions. This is probably one of the more famous ones, right? Is that an old woman or is that a young woman? That it all depends how you see it, right? Who thinks it's an old woman? Who thinks it's a young woman? Some of you can raise your hand twice. So there you go. You know, how many legs does this elephant have? Look closely. How many legs does it have? Four? Five? Maybe six? Look closely. It's not so clear, is it? You're not agreeing. And this one, this one was my favorite lap. This is new to me. Now look at this picture. Looks like a guy, you know, you know, like a, had a lake with a reflection, you know, sit there enjoying it. But now turn your, turn your head to the right and look at the picture. Oh, wait a second. Is he laying down on a fallen tree that's been uprooted and that's just the sky? I don't know. Which one is it? Which one is it, right? I mean, wait a second. That's, uh, I'm not really sure about that. And again, the idea is two people can see the same thing totally different. Totally different. And unfortunately, that's what happens today. People take the good news of Jesus and they turn it into bad news. I've lost all of you. I'm going to come back to you. You know, the Gerasenes to me here, the Gerasenes as a people here, I hate to stereotype them, I'm going to. They represent some of the ways we resist the truth of the powerful gospel. They represent how we as people can just, just ignore the, the clear truth that the gospel often presents. You know, how do we take good news and make it into something bad? How do we do that? Well, it's sin. I think of it biblically again, it's this idea of sin. Uh, some so, so sins in particular here, uh, in the text that you can see in Luke 8, uh, verses 31 to 39, I think, are, are, are a part of the reason perhaps they took this good news and made it into something bad. Uh, I think the first sin is just selfishness. Selfishness is a very common sin amongst all of humanity. You know, they knew this man, Matthew 8 says they knew him and feared him, and uh, now he's dressed in his right mind. And verse 35 records their, their only response they were afraid. That's all it says. That they were simply afraid. You know, maybe, maybe it was their safety. They were fearful of this guy really different. As he has he really to did he just put on clothes to fool us? You know, maybe they're a little leery, you know, and, and selfishness can make us see a great opportunity and turn it into something that might be harmful. For example, when you you know, for me when I'm reaching out to people who are homeless and burning, I, I try I try to see what I can do to help them, and I know as a church may keep working on that. Uh, the other day I'm in a relationship with one guy. And we know each other by name, we're talking, and I'm really trying to figure out how can I help this guy. And I'm driven away, and I got a few things, and, and I was like, maybe I need to have him over for dinner. And as soon as I thought that, I thought, wait a second. Is he going to endanger my wife? Is he going to endanger my children? I have four daughters, and I'm already overly protected anyway. You know, my, my, my daughters are going to have three friends as they get older the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And, uh, but, you know, three male friends, I'm sorry, three male friends. But, uh, Grace is not here, she's sick, so I can say that. Uh, you know, I, I, I don't know, but, you know, something's just, it does that. Or, or, or something, something really good happens to a brother or sister. But you're not really that excited because you just think about how you don't have that. Right? And so, 
ourselves. Selfishness makes us indifferent towards others' needs, and even their joy and happiness. Selfishness can keep us from finding the beautiful truth of the gospel. The other sin here, uh, there's two others that I want to talk about, perhaps, that, that kept them seeing this. Is the other, next one is laziness. I think it calls to be laziness. Laziness is not just watching TV for eight straight hours. Uh, it can also uh, be just not having the right priorities. What, what, what do I mean by that? Well, to me, sometimes today, it's just not really living in, in real reality. And I'll give you an example of this, and you may be guilty of this, and maybe this is not a sin. I'm not saying this is a sin necessarily, but it's on the way, I think. There's a reality show on TV in Great Britain called Gogglebox. Gogglebox. And Gogglebox is a, it's a reality show about people watching TV. So, so someone's made a show, and it's on the TV, and then they're filming those people, watching the people who are, who are, who are in the show. And then you are in the, on your TV watching those people who are watching the show. What is He says, he says, isn't a man or a man a sheep? 
But you would pull a sheep out of the pit, you know, on the Sabbath, and you won't let me heal this man on the Sabbath. You know, he's so maybe Jesus is doing a contrast here. Do you, do you really care about people, you know, or, or do you not? He's challenging their grief. Grief can, can come out in many forms, in many forms in our lives. Um, and so, you know, does our pursuit of anything material harm or belittle others? That, that to me is the beginning of grief in our lives. You don't have to be sitting on a, a pile of gold in a castle. You know, hoard it to yourself and be greedy. You know, it could be, it could be I'm too worried about my home that I'm rebuilding. I'm, I'm too worried about my, my career that I'm, that I'm advancing. I'm too worried about my studies to really love people, to really share my faith, to really be committed to God's kingdom. That's, that's the meaning of greed in our lives. How greedy is a man for whom God alone is not enough? That's a very famous quote. I think it's the thing think about it. It kept the garrison, this greed perhaps kept the garrison from seeing the good news. That was right and firm. Some lazy, greedy view toward Jesus, you know, will miss the gospel. We'll miss the gospel again. And ironically, Legion is the one who gets and receives the gospel in the end, right? Ironically, you know, if we get the gospel and we get what it has done for us, there, there is another way. And we'll go quite, quite the opposite, quite the opposite of the Garrisons. And this field here is a great example of someone who truly gets the gospel. And I know that's why we're here. We want to, we want to get the gospel. Uh, today. Uh, and so, so we'll close out here by just asking ourselves, do we get the good news of the gospel? Do we really understand what Jesus is offering us today, uh, whether we're a Christian or not? Um, just a few signs of that we really are getting the gospel, or we're going to get the gospel one day. Uh, the first thing here you see with this man is that he submits to Jesus. When Jesus approaches him, he falls down on his knees. He falls down on his knees. And he addresses him in verse 28 as the son of the most high God. And that's the beginning, uh, whether it was the demons or him speaking, that's the beginning uh, of his transformation. So he submits. The second thing he does is he sits. Once he's healed, what does he do in verse 25? He sits at Jesus' feet. That's what a student would do with a rabbi. They would literally sit at their feet. And so he's not just transformed, he's also then being taught uh, by Jesus. Uh, he then wants to follow. He, he wants to get in the boat with Jesus. He says, no, 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 no. There's no ticket on this boat for you. Only stay here and tell everyone about what, what I've done for you. Tell everyone about what I've done for you. He gives them, you know, you know, a, a different task. Um, which is the other thing. We'll, we'll be a witness. We really get the gospel. We'll be a witness of all that says in verse 29 that, that God has done for you. He says, return home and tell how much God has done for you. You know, what does it mean today to submit, sit, and, and, and follow? Well, I think it, it's, it's really epitomizing that last one. You, you'll be a witness for Jesus. You'll be all about telling people the good news in your own life. How Jesus has transformed you, how he's changed you, how he's changed your marriage, he's changing your family, how he's still changing you. I thought Jack did a great job in testament today. Speaking of how God's still changing her. You know, that, that's a great sign that we get the gospel today, that, that we really are witnessing to others uh, the wonderful work of Jesus in our lives. You know, Jesus, he's so powerful. You know, he, he meets a demonic and he leaves him an evangelist all day. It's absolutely amazing. You know, what, what a transformation. You know, when God changes us with the good news, he also calls us. He also calls us to, to higher purposes and higher ways. And, 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 and being a witness is a big part of the Christian faith. Once we really get the good news, we should be sharing with others that good news. You know, in his call is go and tell your home what God has done for you. You know, in our call as disciples, that's always a great place to, to check how are we doing in the home? Are we talking about the good news of Jesus in our homes? 
How are we doing with our family? Is it clear that the good news of Jesus is working in our lives? Does our family see that? Uh, you know, I was convicted. You know, Ruby and I have been trying to get together and pray more and talk about God more. She's getting more curious about God. And Ashley's doing a great job helping with that. Thank you, Ashley. And, uh, and Ruby and I went out on this prayer, prayer walk in the, the other day. And she's really struggling with, you know, her Bible. She's And so I was talking to her, I was trying to think, and she goes to these stories, and like, you know, your Bible, your Bible's like Gandalf. You know, it's, it's like Gandalf knocking on, on the door, and you're throwing it out. Your Bible, you know, your Bible's like, it's like Obi-Wan, you know, and you're going to look Skywalker, you want to be a job, but you're just not there yet. And then all of a sudden, the wind started turning, you know, and she was like, you know, and then she was like, well, how, how did you learn about that? And so I said, share it how I struggle. Just like she's struggling, and I had to figure out, you know, is this really true? And do I really believe this? And, and I realized I'm just not really sharing my story with my daughter very well. I've been there for 12 years, and I've done a poor job, and I was convicted. I thought I got to do a better job of that. I got to do a better job of that. You know, that that's me getting the gospel in my home. How, how are we doing with that in our homes? And it meant this man it wasn't just in his home. Verse 39 says he goes all over town, telling how Jesus had done it. And then I love what it says in Mark, um, in, in, in Mark chapter uh, 5, verse, verse 20. It says there, in the, kind of the same passage in the parallel gospel, the man went away and began to tell the Decapolis, ten cities, is what that stands for. Uh, death is ten, almost a city in the Greek. How would Jesus have done for him? And all the people were amazed. You couldn't get this guy to be quiet. He had a big mouth for Jesus. You know, and again, that's a great sign that we're getting the gospel as Christians. That works every opportunity, every chance. It's not, a, it's not a church growth strategy. It's getting the gospel. That's why we share our faith. That's why we open our mouths. That's why we take every opportunity we can get. You know, if you're a Christian today, this man's story, you know, it may be extreme, but ours is really not that different. Ephesians 2 said we were dead in sins. We were, we were an object of God's wrath. But... Praise God, He made us alive in Christ. And this is a little picture of what God's done for us. If we get the gospel and we receive that gift, we ought to be, we ought to be continually sitting at Jesus' feet and following Him. And again, a lot of side of that is that we're a witness. We're a witness of all we have done in our lives. You know, this week, church Christians decided to tell as many as possible all that God is doing and has done in your life. Are you good at telling the story? I think we need to learn how to tell our stories. Learn how to really share with people, you know, what God has done. I was listening to a podcast, and Ed Ed about it. to me to share his story on his podcast. ICOC has a podcast now. My, my buddy Richard Artoli is doing it. Check it out. The ICOC podcast is on. You know, you can get it on your Apple phone. And, uh, but Ed Ed Tom sharing his story. And, and I was listening to it, and I've known Ed for like 10 years. I didn't, I didn't know half of it. And it just, it just blew me away what God had done for me. And I had no idea.
that Jesus brings you. It might have been church today. It might have been your friend who brought you to church today. It might have been this sermon right now. The gospel is good news or bad news depending on how you see it. You know, we all be uh, confronted not by you, but by Jesus. The good news that he brings and that, that has changed us for a Christian, the good news that he wants to bring if you're not yet a Christian, that will change you too. But let's, let's not be fooled. Sin will take us further than we want to go. It will cost us more than we want to pay. May we see the good news Jesus brings to any and all and share all that God has done. We'll continue to do in our lives this week. In the Church of Christ said, Amen. Please don't enter into it. Smooth as possible. Let us see. I think about saying.